0: Welcome to The Grange Point where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we focus on the life of plants from leaves to the roots under the ground. Now a tree covered in leaves is a pretty special thing but what about a tree with only one leaf? We also find out how roots can help us understand how to make drought resistant crops and crops that are better adapted to their environment, all by studying what happens beneath the soil. This week we focus on plants. Now I want you to picture in your mind's eye a tree. Now maybe it will be simplified a little bit more, maybe a plant, just any type of plant. And what you're going to be picturing probably involves a stem or a trunk in some form and then Branching off that, of course, branches in some form or another, could be thick, could be thin. And then on the end of those, leaves, filling it with either greenery or purple or or pink or depending on the shade or type of the plant that you're imagining. There'll be some kind of leafy substance there, giving it the body and the colour and enabling, of course, that plant to do photosynthesis. So combined, you would be picturing something that's covered in leaves, generally speaking some big some small some roughly some frilly but generally we think about plants and them having leaves and that's what makes a plant a plant because it enables it to do photosynthesis and produce the food that it needs to survive but researchers from the university of tokyo have been investigating deep in the caves of southeast asia a very unusual plant that really brings into question what it means to be a plant because this plant has a relatively solitary dark existence growing on the walls of caves in southeast asia this plant only ever has one leaf that's it for the entirety of this plant species they will only ever develop a single solitary leaf this seems almost comical the plant specifically is called monophylla glabra which means hairless species of one leaf plant now, M. glabra sprouts actually from a seed, and that seed contains two embryonic leaves called cotyledons. But unfortunately, only one of those embryonic leaves actually develops to be the singular leaf of this plant species. Now, just because it has one leaf doesn't mean necessarily that it's a small plant. And that's exactly what these researchers, including lead principal investigator Professor Hirokazu Tsukuya, along with obviously lead authors on this paper, like Ayaka Kinoshita and Hiroyuki Koga. Now, they're all investigating this particular species of plant because of investigating what makes their leaves so special. And what better place to discover the genes involved in regulating leaf size by a plant which only really just has one singular leaf? means that the scientists can actually dive in deep to the genes and the expressions of those genes that enables the plant to govern and regulate the size of its leaf and conduct experiments to see if there's ways to boost and improve the size of a single leaf. Now, why would you wanna do that? Well, it's often difficult to think about all of the genes present in any plant or anything for that matter and find out which one is actually governing and contributing to a certain response or observed behavior. So imagine a crop. If you wanted to boost yield potentially one of the things you want to do is boost obviously the leaf size of that particular plant it would improve its growth rate and a number of other things so then you need to know which genes are the best involved in actually regulating that so that's what these researchers have recently published in the journal frontiers in plant science now professor sukaya first started working on this plant the monophyllium in the early 1990s after seeing the plants growing in their native habitat caves in southeast asia particularly limestone caves like found in thailand and if you go there you can actually stumble into these plants pretty easily but what's so interesting about these plants themselves is that as long as the plant continues to grow and to live that one leaf can keep getting bigger and bigger as long as the plant is alive obviously if that leaf gets damaged or destroyed or dies then the plant dies but as long as the leaf and the plant together are healthy there's really no reason for it to stop growing. So you actually get to these pretty big size. Now, most plants have no limit on the number of leaves that they can grow, but they don't really tend to let their leaves just keep growing, 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 and growing. They sort of have a cap on the size of a leaf. Another way to think about it is that, imagine a tree, it has to regulate the delivery of its resources, how it chooses to spend that. uses it to spend it to grow sometimes in height or in a particular direction and to sprout leaves flowers you name it or make seeds so it has to choose how to allocate its resources but in the case of the monophylla well it, it really has only one leaf so it gets all of it and that plant is in a particularly good spot well that leaf can just keep growing and growing without any regard to any kind of limit on the expression on that size of that leaf and that makes it very unique from a biological perspective so to really study this, they need to look at a lot of the genes and activity in this very early on in the leaf, singular leaf's development. And to do this, they relied on certain techniques that are commonly used in studying animal tissues, which preserve large chunks of the cells and organisms in thin slices, locking in place all the genetic material in the surrounding cells at exact time of study. That's normally done pretty easily for animal cells because of the soft cell wall, but with plants with a stiff outer cell wall, it's much harder. I had to wait for a long time for science to be advanced enough to actually be able to study. Now, with this, they could actually pick out key genes. And in terms of plants with standard anatomy, most typically the gene shoot meristemulus, STM, is expressed right at the growing tips of stems. And the gene angustus folia, and three is expressed to help turn those very young leaves to multiply and get bigger and bigger and bigger to form an actual leaf. So then the question is, well, are these genes actually still being expressed in this particular plant any more way? And what actually they've discovered in this particular plant is actually using a combination of genes at the same time, what you would normally see when growing a shoot and one that we normally see in, in growing a leaf and using them together, which is why this collaboration of using these two genes together is why you get this strange result of just a growing growing and growing leaf because as far as the plant is concerned it's also a shoot so it's very interesting to think about the way in which the plant itself is just using the resources it's got its hand and the genes that it has at its command to grow the plant in the best way that makes fit for it and in this case it's all about that one singular leaf. And it's using the particular genes STM and AN3 together, expressed in the same time at the same place, to boost the growth of that, which what enables it to grow to such large sizes. Far different from pretty much any other type of leaf or plant out there. And this is really interesting, because the, the expression and the application of these genes, which are found in heaps and heaps and heaps of plants, is actually really unusual. It's a common gene used in, an uncommon way and that gives scientists and agricultural specialists really interesting ideas and potential applications for these genes in other plant species to see how they could be potentially used to grow larger leaves or try to remove or adjust the limits of this leaf size or take some of these lessons from this hardy single-leaf growing plant and apply it to other species. This is a pretty interesting story about a leaf in pretty harsh conditions in limestone caves in southeast asia manages to put all its eggs on literally in one leafy basket and grow unlike all other plants to one giant leaf some pretty great research from the university of tokyo with first author ayaka kinoshita and published in the journal frontiers in plant Science. In talking of the ideal form of a plant and maybe a plant even with a single leaf like has been found in southeast asia another aspect of it, plant life is of course what happens beneath the soil and roots are incredibly important for plants they enable them to seek out water to root themselves down and not get pulled up by animals or wind or weather and also to search for nutrients and water and the type of root that a plant has is incredibly important for how it would survive. Now, some types of plants like carrots have long taproot style structures that penetrate deep into the soil. By comparison, cacti that live in the desert have really shallow roots that enables them to quickly soak up the very little rainfall that they receive in the desert. This leads to some questions. What can we learn from roots that can help improve the growth of plants, in particular, in agriculture? Researchers like Jonathan Lynch, professor at Penn State University, and other authors like James Burridge and Harini Rangajaran have been trying to investigate a pretty interesting and complex topic, and that is how to make plants and crops more resilient. For them, the answer, of course, comes in studying the roots. Now, the type of crop and the type of root they're looking at is, of course, grain legumes, And one of the reasons why they're focusing on legumes is, well, beans and legumes, the type of family they belong to, are critical, potentially, for feeding a rapidly growing population on our planet. Problem is, growing legumes can be difficult, particularly in areas that have droughts or heat or low soil fertility. Now, often, agronomists and scientists will try and breed certain species of plant to help survive in a particular environment. That's how we can get up to different seasonal or regional variations of the same species that all perform better or worse in different climates. And that's great, but breeding doesn't often focus on the root system. Normally it focuses on things like yield or resistance to pests that live in the area or maybe water resistance. But actually looking specifically at the root behaviour is not typically done by breeders. Now, if you think about it, the way in which plants get their food from the soil is actually incredibly important for how much they're going to yield and how well they're going to survive. So if was a better way of just targeting the root systems themselves of particular plant species, could that lead to perhaps better yields on certain types of species or better adaptions? And that's exactly what Professor Lynch and the team were trying to dive into. So they picked a few legumes, some beans, some chickpeas, and they tried to study them with breeding varieties that bred for different types of root characteristics. So they also developed a study that would enable them to see what the trade-offs were, or the benefits in certain environments. Now, by testing these different root systems of the different plant species in certain environments, they could see which areas to focus on which work better. Now, this thing, important thing to note about what roots do when they're actually going to search for food for a plant. Now, roots can make their way through and explore both the topsoil and the subsoil. Now topsoil is important because inside the topsoil there are nutrients like phosphorus and potassium and deeper underneath in the subsoil you can actually find more of the nitrogen and water. Now most crops would focus on one of these soil layers like we spoke about earlier with cacti and carrots and ignore the other leading to an obvious trade-off. They're sort of picking nitrogen and water or phosphorus and potassium. And that's basically a decision that the plant makes in terms of how it has its root system and root architecture. And that's not even considering the exact environment of a particular plant that it might be placed into. In some areas, you actually want the specific type of root focus to be in the subsoil, or maybe on another area, you want it actually to be in topsoil. So picking the root phenotype that's capable of balancing a topsoil and subsoil exploration, that would be really important because then you could get an all-rounder. Or maybe you actually want to change the way you're breeding to have a crop that's hardy and a good yielder and adapt it to actually have more specific root structure that better suits your environment. The problem is that most crop breeders at the moment aren't actually using root characteristics as one of the things that they're tuning for. But it's especially important to help make crops that are resilient under stress and resilient for their particular environment. And that's important because around 850 million people across the world are malnourished. And with the human population growing, that will only increase. Now, grain legumes can help because they're good for both the soil and for humans. They take nitrogen out of the air, great for the environment, and make it useful into the soil. And they're rich in nutrients for humans, which we need, things like protein, iron, and zinc. So legumes and grains, legumes in particular, are an important tool at our disposal to help fight climate change and hunger, two things that actually play off each other really significantly. But to do that, we need to engineer better legumes that are more hardy and more resilient. And one of the things we're gonna have to consider, aside from just the plant species and genetic engineering and breeding, is also the type of root structure themselves that these plants need. Because having a good foundation, and a flexible foundation in your root systems can make all of the difference in the world on the plant's survival and yield. Some interesting research published in the journal Crop Science that highlights the importance of a strong foundation and root system, with lead authors James Burrage and Harini Rajaran. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Grange Point from plants with a singular leaf and what we can learn from them, to understanding how roots and their search for nutrients in the soil can be better understood and adapted to make better crops. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.